0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Hello and welcome. I'm Les Bubka and you're listening to Accidental Podcast or something like that. In this episode I have a pleasure chatting with um, Zoe uh, Jagger-Hinnis, a martial artist, um, co-owner of Kojuryu Karate in Johannesburg, blogger. Um, youtuber and a very passionate person about equality um, disability and supporting young people within the martial arts Um, it was a very interesting conversation as we decided to do a joint project so this podcast gonna be both on my channel and Zoe's Uh, you're gonna find links mm, to all the stuff from Zoe in the description below but it was interesting because we've been interviewing each other in the same time it was first time I had done something like that and it was a pure pleasure Uh, Zoe came super prepared with um, all the data printouts and stuff I, as always, wing it, um, but it was interesting conversation. It's nice to see that all over the globe, people are more interested in supporting mental health in the students, working with the disabled people, and promoting martial arts and karate in particular as something useful for them. Also, we talked about the overcoming barriers and problems uh, for female. Karateka and how we can improve the rate of women in the karate environment I hope you're going to enjoy it Um, if you do please share it on social media this episode should be on both um, YouTube and podcast and so more audience gonna hope listen to it and as always um, if you like to support us you can grab some t-shirts drop us a donation or share and spread the news about what we do Um, without further ado um, let's listen to our conversation Hi Zoe, uh, I'm Hi Liz. very very happy that you managed to join us. I am a fan of your work, especially your re- re- recent um, project and I hope we can uh, shed some light on it. Um, uh, how are you today?
0: I'm very well Liz, it's a warm lovely day here in South Africa, it's technically winter but it's 22 degrees, the sun's out, it's a beautiful day. Um, we're in our third lockdown right now um, but you know we and we've closed our dojo, so it's a little bit quiet this side. But we're grateful that we're still here, and it's given us a chance to work on other other things as well while we wait this uh, third wave out.
1: Cool. We we're in lockdown as well. Hopefully they're going to open us about two or three. Weeks. I've been.
0: We've been following very closely what's happening in the UK. I've got a lot of family there, and I'm just mm. we worry as well, even though you guys have got more vaccines than we do.
1: Yeah, I've just had my yes, on you know, Monday. Second
0: one, wonderful. Hopefully. So jealous.
1: Hopefully, hopefully it's gonna get. <laughs> um, your uh, YouTube channel exploded last year. And... Yeah,
0: uh, that's very kind to say. It's only only three thousand subscribers. It's a baby channel. Yeah, it's but we try
1: ahead of mine, so it's good. And <laughs> um, and you your presence suddenly online uh, boomed as well. You doing project mm-hmm. with um, and other people. Yes. Um, could you um, share your background, what you do, how did you get involved in, uh, in uh, martial arts and, and so on?
0: Great. Um, so I actually started martial arts when I was 11. I was one of those kids that got bullied at school. I had bad teeth. I had bad eyes. I was a nerd. So it's like the holy trifecta for attracting bullies. So I started with judo, did that for a few years, changed schools, no more judo. Sad. Then when I got to university, I discovered Gojiru. So I actually started karate late, you know, 19, although I know many of the big sensei started at 19. And um, I became a deshi here at Gojiru Karate Center. And I ended up marrying Shea. And now we run our dojo together and our YouTube channel. Our YouTube channel is also actually a result of being forced to close at the first wave. And, um, you know, we'd said for years we should have, a YouTube channel which out for our kids. It's actually to it, and it's been an amazing learning curve. It's actually like I've gotten to, to be part of your bubble, and you know, speaking from one anxious black belt mm-hmm. to another, it's been such a, a great journey. Um, you know, it's actually quite a relief because in South Africa, it's very much like machismo you know, no one's depressed, everyone's fine. I'm a strong man. So, for another martial artist to acknowledge anxiety and using karate heart. Uh, karate for mental health for me that's incredible so yes COVID sucks but it has brought me amazing opportunities in the karate world um, my work with Bugesha and w- uh, why we are chatting on this podcast is why do so many girls leave karate and why so many women start and don't stay you know and our dojo which is an actively feminist dojo we're only 30% female mm. despite our very best efforts um, I'm sure you have a higher percentage Your dojo, I was looking at your website, the wonderful testimonials from women students. Um, what's your gender split in your dojo?
1: It's actually changed last week, but (laughs) usually, usually I've got a minimum of 50 percent. It depends what dojo we're looking at. Um, for my meditation karate, karate for meditation, I've got 95 percent of women.
0: Wow, that's amazing!
1: For for (laughs) 16 people, wow, one man (laughs) for 16 people at the moment.
0: He's a thorn amongst the roses. Look, yeah. meditation is incredibly important practice. Um, I'm also starting to get into mindfulness now. I use an app called Medito, which is, you know, the free compared to Calm and Headspace, which yeah. can get quite expensive. But it's an important part of our practice. So maybe not go on tangents. I'm the champion of going on tangents. So, you know, I was talking about why do girls leave karate? And a lot of the statistics I found were in the UK. So maybe you can uh, correlate, uh, collaborate on this. Um, let me get my paperwork so <laughs> there was the one thing in the uk it's very interesting it was done by the Women in sports uh, association Women in sport research so they reckon that only 10 percent of girls aged between 13 and 16 actually do sport which is shocking and that's in a very developed country with a lot of bodies actively working on this so and then it talks about um 60% of girls aged 11 to 16, no girl, or young woman who's experienced a mental health problem. And I think that's mm. very much your area, and we'll talk about it later, I hope, where there's amazing overlap where karate can help girls with anxiety and to help keep them in the dojo where we know that there's so many benefits for them, but we have to figure out why they're leaving. Mm. Um, and the other thing is um, that I thought was very interesting is this perception of sport, and karate suffers from this as well, is that karate is for men. Mm. karate is for boys which is nonsense and it's, it's only for like big strong guys but if you look at Jishin Funakoshi and if you, again, okay, Miyagi was a little bit of like a solid man but Funakoshi was tiny Morihei Oshiba of Aikido was tiny mm. like there's this idea, this idea that you have to big, be big and strong and Mandy is ridiculous um, and Goju Ryu through white crane can actually trace its roots to a woman, to Feng Zhuan. Mm. but we don't talk about her and she was this incredible martial artist who, like, had many male challenges, and she defeated all of it. So it's important for us as instructors, especially you as a male instructor, as an ally, to address how we can, how we can change this and how we can get more girls to stay. The same um, very interesting study they did, where was the number about the sports bras? So this is interesting. This is in a UK survey of 2,089 girls aged between 11 to 18, and one of the reasons they don't want to train is actually as their bodies change, they get so uncomfortable because they're not taught how to buy the right bra or how to deal with menstruation, how to make themselves more comfortable. So they, instead of having that conversation, and they're too scared to have that conversation, they just leave. Especially mm-hmm. if there's no female role models in the dojo. So I have an amazing. Uh, bunch of teenagers coming up behind me. And, you know, one of my goals is to replace myself with 20 female instructors before I die. That's one of my goals. And they come to me and they're like, sensei karate is sore. How can I fix it? Now they have a woman to approach, but most dojos they don't. Mm. And, you know, it's up to men to educate themselves on how they can help these girls. So I found that fascinating. And when I spoke to a bunch of other women who'd quit karate one of them was Taekwondo, and there was also a judo girl, and they said the same thing. Like their bodies changed, and the sports didn't accommodate. Mm-hmm. Or they were doing competition, and they were expected to maintain a low weight. So I think competition is especially hard on girls in the martial arts world. And you're obsessed with weight categories. And that, that leads to disordered eating, which is a mental health issue in and of itself. Mm.
1: Yeah, I've got a big issue with uh, losing weight in all sports. Absolutely. I think um, you should be on your on. I done once losing weight. I lost weight when I was eighteen. I dropped down from sixty two to fifty eight, and I was stuck mm-hmm. on fifty eight till my thirties, nearly. Uh, I couldn't put back on, and yeah. with the wrestling as well, there is it's huge uh, emphasis on losing weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, all the ways you can, you know, tablets. So dangerous. Area and stuff like that sweating it out and i think it's just harming human's body i think it should be illegal but that's the it point. should be
0: <laughs> there was that mma guy that young asian guy I forget his name he died from cutting weights you yeah. know and because mma is also obsessed with the carve and the cut and the look and i don't want karate one of the things i love about karate is that the uniform kind of flattens all of us mm-hmm. so it doesn't matter how you look um i've got girls who do gymnastics. And I find it incredibly disturbing how so much of it is about smiling, looking perfect, and the very sexualized outfits. A German gymnast for the first time in April 2021 this year wore pants and wasn't penalized. Now, the boys can wear pants, but the girls have to wear these very high-cut sequin tops. They even mandate the maximum width of the leotard over Mm -hmm. the private parts. And why? Isn't it about the gymnastics? What has it got to do with what she's wearing? So I I think in karate, one of the things we should advocate to girls is that at least no one cares how you look. No one should care. You don't have to wear makeup. You don't have to smile and look pretty and perform. We would want to see the quality of your karate, which has got nothing to do with... You can be a skinny girl, strong girl, big girl. In fact, the stronger and bigger you are, especially with gojiru specifically as a style, Mm. um, the better you are at karate. You know, if you're thin, you're going to struggle with hojo and muscle mass. Mm. So, and like, you, and especially for boys, I think, and for young men who are also experiencing much more body dysmorphia. Mm. Um, I even have some nine and 10 year old boys saying, sensei, I'm fat. I'm like, excuse me, who told you you're fat? Where, and the girls, especially now on Instagram, and you look at the WKF karate feed, there's a couple of them. And it's mm. only the thin, thin, pretty girls that are ever on that feed. So it tells, even women like me, I look at that, I'm like, I, I don't look like that. Mm. I don't have the beautiful hair and the perfect face and this thin. But what's the message that WKF is sending? Only those girls are good enough to do karate. Yeah, and that's, that's unfortunate.
1: Very, that is very annoying when you see the, uh, the pictures and, and it's always karate girls with trousers on and the bikini tops or, you know, sports bra. My
0: worst the karate suit hanging open and the bra underneath i want to yeah. die <laughs> yeah
1: but you know it's just it's just wrong i think Iana Bernafi had a last year nice picture of him going like you know Ooh, yes why? i love
0: that <laughs> i was like yeah. yes sir yes that's the kind of and that's that leads us nicely into male allies and male advocacy because yes woman we've been saying this we're like please let us in please include us and a lot of the male instructors like, okay, you can bring the oranges to the party. You know, like you can bring the cake to the instructor's meeting, mm. but your voice is not heard. I mean, women get constantly spoken over, constantly worked out the system. But when big instructors like that say something, it, it sparked a conversation. And it, actually because of that, I went to go look at the Instagrams of all the big karate schools. I was like, mm. oh, it's got a very good point. Like one of my, my female instructor friends, Sensei Emma, She is a fourth dan. She is a very accomplished local competitor in Qatar. She is a data engineer. So she's incredibly smart. They do an article on her dojo. What do they call her? Karate girl. Not karate instructor, karate girl. I've never heard a male instructor referred to as karate boy. And every time you look up her name, that karate girl article comes up. And I I said to her, I'm like, I'm so sorry they did this to you. And she's like, I know, I hate it. They didn't even tell me. They didn't even uh, send the article past me before they published it. So, you know, that kind of advocacy coming from bigger instructors and instructors like yourself, because I was looking at your website and you work a lot with disability inclusion in martial arts. Where do you feel there is positive overlap between how you make disabled students feel welcome and how we can make girls feel welcome? What barriers have you overcome as an instructor or things you've changed in your dojo that have helped people feel welcome?
1: It's, it's actually funny because um, on the subject of women, I never thought mm-hmm. about it um, until I came up on something online a few years ago, because mm-hmm. in my dojo, I don't know, maybe because I'm small and uh, kind of fragile in appearance, mm-hmm. I always had full dojo of women, I always had more mm-hmm. women than in my dojos, um, so I never thought there's a problem. Yes. When I start speaking with people, say so like, well, you go only two girls and thirty guys. Well, how is that working?" And you know, I always get at least fifty percent mm-hmm. of girls yeah. training in the dojo, and and then I start speaking with 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 uh, on a series of uh, martial marriage and women in, mm-hmm. in uh, martial arts, and they start envying, you know, what the uh, barriers for girls are. Yes. And you know, I never thought about the you know problem of a white gi but you know. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah,
1: have menstruation in my life and
0: exactly.
1: I, I just don't think about this but when the guests that's bringing it in you know can we wear black gi or can we wear mm. this uh, you know like more comfortable trousers different color mm. for me that was a problem yeah sure but you know yeah. I'm just hearing now that other instructors oh we're allowing black geese because of that reason oh, why would you not allow it earlier
0: but which just goes to show that in many ways, like so Sensei Miyazato, who started OGKK, in his book writes that black keys are dirty. Like you can't have a black key. So that's why we're not really allowed to wear a black key. I love my black karate suit. Like I, I will confess right here. My black key is my favorite. When I'm teaching for five to six hours, six days a week, and I'm on my knees working with the kids. And, you know, sometimes I do, I do Cubs karate. So I'm playing with them and I'm rolling on the floor to show them something. Like a black gi is great. Mm. Um, I wish I could wear my black gi all the time, but for gradings and when I go to Gashku, obviously, it's like a pure white. Um, and because the Japanese believe, like, your gi should be spotless. Yeah, yeah. Now, part of that is, is all those karate men had wives who took care of their karate suits. They didn't have to worry about washing their suits. Mm. Um, so I have one of the girls in my dojo came with a workaround. When it's her period, she wears black cycling shorts under her gi. Mm. So she feels more comfortable. I would actually love to start my own karate suit range and specifically for women. The only gi that's for women is karate by Jesse and it's twice the price of a Sherado. It's a very, very expensive. It's, it's unaffordable. If I was to bring that suit here to my country, by the time I've paid customs and everything, it's three or four times my current suit. I could buy four or five gis for that Mm. price. So I want to make one that's also got so I think some of the male viewers will get squeamish, but this is important information. There's special period underwear that's very absorbent. I would love to line a woman's karate suit, the pants with that, because then they can train with a little bit more comfortable, feel a little bit more liberated and not have to be like at the back of the class. So there's something, I'm, I know the UK experiences, we experienced it more. It's something called period poverty. Girls can't afford uh, pads or tampons. They miss days of school because of it. Think about all the times like some girls I know miss a week of karate every month mm. because they're in too much pain. They're too embarrassed. They're not comfortable. And the knock on effect over the long term is eventually they're going to quit. And it's something we could discuss openly and avoid. And if an instructor like you isn't accessible and they feel like, okay, I can talk. My dog is rude. Magnus. <laughs> this crazy German shepherd of mine. <laughs> I hope he's not too loud on your no, side. Otherwise, okay. I, may have to, I may have to run away. And I'm just going to text my deshi while we talk to tell him. So we have a, an in-house deshi um, at the moment, which is very nice. And I'm raising him to be a good feminist deshi. <laughs> bring Maggie yeah, I really
1: don't understand why. You, actually, on one <laughs> of the forums of the other day was the question from the woman runs it. I was questioned about um, should the girls, um, men, instructors talk about uh, menstruations and women problems. Really? I'm thinking, where is the, That's the bodily stuff. Yeah. We should learn that in school. Why is it a tubular? Exactly. You know, you've got a wife. Your wife's got that <clears throat> like, with it. You should know about it. You've got a do- I've got a daughter. So, you know, if my wife can't he talk is. to her, I have to talk to her. And it shouldn't be something I'm embarrassed about it because that's just giving no. a wrong impression to the girl. So I, I, I'm puzzled with what people come like, do.
0: But, you know. Being ashamed of sneezing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it is deeply rooted in misogyny. It is very much like anything to do with women is disgusting. You know, and I think about, it's not just periods, but like also women who are pregnant as well. So yeah. I was able to train through my pregnancy. And yes, I own a dojo. Well, own. I'm, my husband owns a dojo, we co-own it. But I was able to come back to karate after pregnancy because it's my job. Mm-hmm. But I think about all the women who drop out after pregnancy. And you know how hard it is to train A while you're pregnant because no one knows how to deal with you. I was treated like spun glass. Mm-hmm. I was treated like I was made out of cotton candy. Meanwhile, historically, women, evolutionary, used to run and hunt and do all sorts of things while pregnant. It's mm-hmm. actually better the more active you are. And I, and I credit my activity during pregnancy. I was back on the mat and training within a week. Of giving birth because I was so strong still I hadn't done bed rest I still did not I used to a lot of sunshin and kata uh, uh, sunshin and tenshokta because it didn't require me to lean forward I couldn't do um say so because I kept falling forward in my uh, changed uh, center of gravity and it's important for instructors to be like welcome back here as soon as you're ready to come back accommodate you you need somewhere quiet to breastfeed well, make sure the dojo is cleared out for you. or You know, and I could be more accommodating of that. Yeah, but that's because got... it's not karate because I've had a baby. In fact,
1: hmm, sorry. Sorry, you just broken up a little bit. But, I was going to say uh, that, 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 that overlaps with mental health as well. Because, you know, nobody is, so. is is worried about saying, oh, I've got a broken arm. But not many people say, well, hey, yeah. my brain is working fine. I need to go see a doctor. Are you guys mm-hmm. to finish? shame that you've got a problem in in the brain or something is wrong yeah and you go in secrecy to the doctors and going into the karate world people feel that Mm -hmm. oh i shouldn't say that in in martial art world because it puts me as a disadvantaged weaker person and that's what we team up with actually that bringing that karate for mental health you know, we as men, mm. if strong, need to speak about it. Uh, you know, yeah, it's a right to cry. for a guy, it's, yes. it's okay to not be super manly because it's fine. You know, you are who you are. And and coming back to your question about the barriers, mm. uh, here from yes. my students, it's that being not judged. And uh, I, what I do, I'm welcoming people um showing my vulnerability. Mm. So when they're coming in, yes. I ask, you know, what's, what's your problem? And actually, before they start telling me their problem, I say, well, listen, I, 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 I've got an anxiety. I've, I've been on the lower mm-hmm. end of well. I dug up myself with karate that helped me. You are welcome mm-hmm. here. You know, nobody's going to judge you. And I make effort that my I students, just, you know, I hate when I'm going to the groups and there are subgroups, you know, these people talking about mm-hmm. all this talking and it don't yeah. mix. I always make sure that all my students go and welcome the new person and, Absolutely. you know, make them feel like in family. Uh, and, and that helps, you know, that welcoming and non-judgmental um, environment does the job, at least for me.
0: You know, the work you do is so important, Les, because in the UK, one of the leading causes of death for men is suicide. Yeah. Especially over a certain age. And that, that's, that's incredibly heartbreaking. And it comes from, you know, just as the patriarchy ruins life for women, it actually ruins life for men mm. because we've told men that if you cry, you're like weak, you're a woman. Yeah. Why? What's greater sign of strength? You know, if you read um, any of the Greek novels, Achilles wept so hard that they could hear him at the bottom of the ocean, all these manly men weeping throughout the Iliad. And we have a history of crying. It is the most healthy thing to do, but yeah. we've crushed it. And And I see it all the time with young teenage boys who you can see on the verge of, of, of going crazy. But you know, when you bring it up there, they're like, no, no, I'm fine. Sensei. I don't want to talk about it. Mm. And we have to keep opening that door and by showing your own vulnerability. Like the other day I told my kids, I had to excuse myself because obviously with COVID being so bad here, I'd just received like 10 messages that day of students who were sick in Mm. isolation and it was like the 3000th time I'd had to beg students to put their masks on property. Mm. And I just I had to excuse myself and I had a breakdown, quite a little breakdown outside. And I came back and I said, I want you to know that this is something I struggle with. You can be anxious and it doesn't make you any less of a person. I'm still your sensei. I'm still here. I just needed time to collect myself. I'm back mm. now. If you want to talk about it, we can talk about it. I needed them to see that you can be anxious but it doesn't mean you're useless that you can't be a part of society anxiety is a human condition so i think if we can carve that space for them i think that's incredibly valuable in the long run i'm
1: mm. um, sure it's, uh, that's kind of overlapping as well you saying that men can can uh, can cry mm-hmm. it's kind of the double the other side of the coin of girls being girly and being shown you know, yeah. uh, as a feminine on, on, on social media and now you've got the image of the men mm-hmm. who are unrealistically built up to be a bodybuilder yes. and you know th- that perception of that you can be like that. No, you cannot be like that exactly. It's no. certain amounts of steroids and you know dedicate yourself, surgery or whatever personal happens.
0: trainers Yeah. It's so a, a lot of people look at a good example is Chris Pratt. He went from being chunky in Parks and Recreation, then he got cut to being Guardians of the Galaxy. And people are like, oh, I can do that transformation. I'm like, you don't have a personal trainer, a personal chef, maybe the genetic disposition. A lot of that is genetics. You can't fight that. People like Chris Hemsworth and that are going to look like that no matter what they do. They're just naturally very built. It's good for them. It's easy for them, actually. But for young boys, and I think this is where we're seeing their body dysmorphia coming in, they think they have to look like that for girls to like them. Because yeah. why else would you want to look like that? I mean, to give up all the good food in life, never eat a pizza again. Why? So, and those guys are also, when they film, they're at 7% body fat. They're mm-hmm. dehydrated. You know, there was a picture of Jason Momoa, who plays uh, Aquaman, mm-hmm. of when he's not filming. And he's got a little bit... Like the tiniest little stomach Mm. but it's normal it's normal fat that you build on top of your organs so you don't die and people like oh he's let himself go he's got a dad body i'm like but that's a normal human body like shame he can't even like have a normal body and he gets crucified for it Mm. and it's the same way that girls also are expected to be effortlessly beautiful wear makeup i had teen i had girls ask me if they could wear makeup to the dojo i'm like why you're beautiful mm-hmm. as you are. You're also nine years old. Why do you want to wear makeup? Where's mm-hmm. this pressure coming from that they feel they have to wear makeup to the dojo?
1: Yeah, i i, I my wife, I've seen her only once in the makeup on my wedding.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I barely recognize her. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> yeah. But, m-
0: makeup is witchcraft. <laughs> yes. I've seen myself with makeup. I'm like, miss-
1: oh. I call it a mis selling, including the Wonder well. <laughs> <bride laughs> it's all mis selling. <laughs>
0: oh yeah very much so um what else did i have so no you know i just think it's so interesting that we can have these conversations but also the things that we do to keep girls in the dojo can also help boys stay in the dojo and also hopefully maybe help our queer youth feel welcome in the dojo as well you know it is pride month no sorry pride month is just over it's first of july today Mm. but some of these things about making people feel included Applies to people of minority groups, LGB, LGBTQIA plus. Yeah. Um, you know, if we make people feel like they have a voice and they have a place in the dojo, so one of the things that, that um, one of the things on my long ass list of ways to keep kids in the dojo um, <clears throat> is emphasizing moments of pride, not winning. So this is my problem with tournament karate; it becomes about meddling, mm-hmm. which is not what karate is about. And then those people feel like if they're not getting gold medals, they're not worthy anymore, which is wrong. I mean, I've never won a medal in my life. It doesn't mean I'm less of a karate practitioner. And um, so giving students these moments of pride. So every time they grade that new stripe, that new belt, mm-hmm. um, if you as sensei say, please to one of the girls, I'd like you to take warm-ups today. I'm, and by you showing that trust in them, you're showing the whole dojo. Like I trust this girl or this woman to do warm-ups for me or to help me demonstrate or like one of the ways i felt very included and very proud when i was doing aikido is that i would be asked to fold my sensei's hakama after class mm. you know i would ta- i would do that like a religious act i took that folding the hakama so seriously because i knew what it meant for him to hand over that responsibility mm. um, something like that those are ways that we can help um girls feel more welcome.
1: Can no, I instead change, of like defaulting. Yes, change, I'm listening. Because i can forget. So we had that thing. Um, I've got more, one of my best students is Raquel. Um I call mm-hmm. her because she's uh, small, but she drags yeah. big men to the floor and beat them up. Um and we record <laughs> I record quite often videos with her as my partner, and somebody commented, Oh, why mm-hmm. you going to show it on a bigger person? Show it that it works. Well, I'm not always gonna be attacked by the bigger person. I'm not yeah. always standing with a bigger person, and I'm just showing you that she can throw me about. Yes. Bigger than her, and I acknowledging that she is the higher level than everybody else in my dojo, because she puts up the work, she has a natural talent to that, and she's angry. <laughs> she is angry, and she, you know, yeah. um, So, So you know, like you, you said, we like to bring different people. I like to bring everybody mm-hmm. to my videos. You know, a white belt, autistic mm-hmm. person. My last series is um, Adani, my um, best, uh, one of the best students um, who is on autistic spectrum, holding pads for me. You know, at times it's clumsy, but I give him that acknowledgement that he's doing a great job. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm kind of looking from opposite side what you say. You say about the the rewards Mm -hmm. for winning. I'm going more with a controlled failure. So, learning the the same thing. You're going to the competition you lost. It's not, you're not a failure. You just haven't learned yet how to win. So, take it and and go learn more, and then you're going to achieve more.
0: So, very much so. um, Controlled failure is an important thing, especially since, so there's something about it's, you know, like the good girl. So girls are like told and the difference between how we talk to girls and how we talk to boys. So girls always get praised for being smart, for being well-behaved. And the minute we come up against something that's difficult, we tend to quit because mm-hmm. we've always been told if you're not good at something, you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. I am one of those girls. You know how long it took me to get, to start running? Cause I ran once as a kid. I was like, Oh, this sucks. I suck. I'll never be good at it. So I stopped running. Eventually it was with the courage I'd got from karate that I was able to start running. And within two years of doing ultra marathons, but only because I'd become used to failure and used to things sucking. You no, know, you get used to, you know, you just, you get like accustomed to messing up a technique and getting that feedback. But if, when it's delivered with care from an instructor, you're like, oh, okay, so it's just a mistake. You know, it's not a life altering thing. Yeah, you know, like- we have to teach students that... It is a mistake. You are not the mistake. Mm. But unfortunately, they conflate the two. And that's yeah. so bad for their mental health. You're right. Controlled failure is just as important.
1: If I, not I, more important. I, I like to um, give an example to people. Now. How many children you see that they went, falling over, they went, no, I'm never going to walk again. I'm rubbish. Yeah. I'm going to be crawling everywhere. <laughs> How many adults yeah. you see crawling <laughs> everywhere? Because, yeah. That's not in us. In us is the overcoming the failure. It's not a failure. It's just. A Absolutely. Failure. But somewhere along we've been. We are. I. I know that I was suffering with this a lot. When I done something wrong, it was end for me. You know. That's. That's it. Mm-hmm. I'm a failure. And I didn't have that many people at that time telling me that. No, it's just. A, don't worry about it. It's done. Put it in the past. Yeah. Forward. Mm-hmm. But I have to say I do not understand you. Who would want to run? Proper people don't <laughs> walk everywhere. <around>. <laughs> running is not good, not good. I used to run a lot when I was like 18, 20s, and I absolutely hate it. I don't know why. <laughs> but each to their own. You know,
0: I love, <laughs> no, I love running. I think it, for me, a lot of the lessons that came from running, uh, came from karate I incorporate, incorporated into my running, and then vice versa. So when I started running marathons, That was when I realized like, I always thought marathons were like for these amazing people who are like great athletes, but here was me. who got picked last for every single sport in school. Like I hated sport at school because I was that nerdy kid, uncoordinated. And you know, the worst, you, you just, eventually you develop this label, you incorporate it into yourself. Like I will always be the kid that sucks at sports. I will always be clumsy. And you know, the other day I realized I'm not clumsy. At all. Anymore. I don't drop things. I don't. I used to. But it's gone. Obviously because of karate and coordination. So we write these scripts for ourselves. And it helps when your sensei helps you rewrite that script. And I especially see with girls who are very like obsessed with perfection. I'm like, you have to make mistakes. Mm. You have to fall forward. You will improve. You know, it's like that roomy quote. Uh, roomy "If every rub of your, If every rub irritates you. How will your mirror be polished mm. and yeah. karate is a nice way to get those little failures those constant little polishing until your spirit shines mm. and you realize you can handle anything and that i think is the great power we can give girls
1: yeah i i, I found it recently i've got a few guys now um join actually a girl as well joining me from a different system and we do completely okay. different, different things uh, and i do it different ways and they feel lost and i can see how mm-hmm. detrimental to them it is so nearly on every lesson i have to remind them listen i'm doing this 25 years my way yeah and i'm good at it you're doing mm-hmm. this session and you're getting upset why would you do that yeah. it's just give it a time you're going to take a couple of years to re- readjust enjoy the process nobody's judging you i'm not going to tell you go away because no, you didn't exactly. this uh, session correctly or whatever it's just, you know, it's mm. a lesson that we're going all through. I'm going to your class, and I'm going to suck at it. Yes. Because my pathway is different than yours. And you ch- just change. It's funny for me, because I like to show that. Um, so we're doing, uh, let's say, a call um, sequence of blocks. So you're going a... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I go somewhere, mm-hmm. and I tell somebody, let's do it now. okay? And I suck at it at speed. Mm-hmm. Because my brain yeah. wants to do it my way. <laughs> and people seem to be not <laughs> understanding that, but you know, the habits are in us. And to change a habit is much worse than learn from the beginning. And here the problem lies as well with women and men. Because we're coming mm-hmm. into the environment of martial arts pre taught. You're a girl, yeah. you're a boy, you do this, you do that. And then mm-hmm. our instructors, at least mine, is to try to wipe that out. Yeah? Yes. You are in the dojo. You are a person. For me, there's no mm-hmm. religion in the dojo. There's no politics in the dojo. Um, there's yeah. courtesy and respect, which doesn't mean... Absolutely. Um, how to say it? Because you have to distinguish between a girl and a boy in a way mm-hmm. that you cannot put 150 kilo guy with a 60 kilo yes. girl and, they, and say, yeah. you are the same. Go full of so, so, you are equal, but mm. you need to be aware of what you are. Does that makes sense?
0: No, it does. So, what, we, what we've been focusing on is, instead of equal treatment, is equitable treatment. Mm. I treat each student as they need to be treated. So, mm. for example, let's use grading. There is this standard, you need to know this cutter. Let's mm. say all well, the students need to know Geksata H. Now, this student has a severe learning disability, They can just get through the cuts. But for them, that's huge. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And then this student who is ridiculously talented but lazy coasts through the grading. They're like, whatever. Mm -hmm. And their attitude sucks. Of course, I'm going to praise and reward and celebrate the student who is trying harder with less. So if I was to treat them equally, then I'd fail the student with a learning disability and pass the talented one. But that's not fair. I can't compare them against each other. I can only compare the students. For example, I had a girl who, when she arrived here, was so shy. Like she hung on the back of my belt for mm-hmm. three weeks, like a little shadow behind me. She was so, so scared. Six months later, she was doing kata at a tournament in front of hundreds of people. So awesome. for her, that was so big. And mm-hmm. other kids were like, whatever. I deserve this kind of attention from the day they're born. Mm-hmm. So I treat them all as they each need to be treated and not the same. You can't treat everyone the same. You can't treat a pregnant woman the same way you're going to treat a rugby player and give them the same weights to work with. That's ridiculous. But you're not demeaning either of them. I think that's what people think. Like, if you treat a woman differently, you're demeaning her. I want to be treated as I need to be treated. You know, don't coddle me and be like, oh shame! like my worst is when they're like we're gonna do lady push-ups I'm like they're not lady push-ups they're half push-ups on the knees don't call them lady push-ups because there's some there are some men who can't do a push-up yeah so they're gonna do it on their knees so they can learn mm. so it's, it's things like that and, and you've got that 100% when you say like you were using the autistic students in your video now you're not expecting them to do like you know olympic level karate that's not fair. They can't get there. But the fact that you give them representation and visibility and a task to do, and you're treating them as human and not as some inconvenience or burden on the system, mm. that is what matters. Not holding them to the same ridiculous standard that you'd hold a talented kid.
1: Yeah. We actually had a conversation yesterday with my wife. She's she just like you, you um, describe your friend. So she's a uh, martial arts teacher, second down She's an engineer mm-hmm. and she's a mom as well. So she had a quite long yeah. break in karate, but it was her decision. Um, and we've been talking mm-hmm. yesterday, in my dojo, I don't take belts away. So I have mo- most of my yeah. dojo, 90% of my dojo are people who came from something else. And we've got a lot of different mm-hmm. colors, even if I don't have yes. that color, I allow them to wear. But then there's the perception mm-hmm. that, you know, I've got black belts who suck at the stuff we do. And sometimes people yeah. walking through the... Uh, through the glass what we're doing and they say "Look, this black belt is rubbish so that school might be rubbish Mm. but nobody thinks about it you take it personally and you adjust the curriculum and syllabus to the person what they need so I don't like to take away from people because you know Mm. some people are really attached to their belts in a positive way you know I achieved that why why should I take it off you know I'm here to train I not necessarily want to do your stuff, but I want. I don't necessarily want to subscribe to your club, but I want mm-hmm. like experience your way. So therefore, yes. if I tell them you have to go white belt, it might feel a bit diminishing. You know, why should mm-hmm. I, take it I earn it? So I like to keep it. But then there's this perception that you know, oh, this is rubbish. This is good. why this white belt is better than uh, black belt. I don't first people to grade. if they want to they do we've got yeah. two, two ways yeah. in you either train and just train or you go through all the loops mm-hmm. and, loops and yeah. whatever and, and that's part of mental health as well for me you know I cannot put people down I don't want not I cannot I don't want no, what? the parts of me so I like yeah. to have people freedom to do what they want to do and how to do if that makes sense
0: no, so that's exactly it. You are a fountain, not a drain. Mm. So you don't want people to feel like you're taking away their hard work because and acknowledging that they're more likely to stay. We had the same thing. We had a student who was in a terrible, terrible car crash when he was 14. Like they said, he's, he died for two minutes and they told his parents he's never going to walk, he's never going to leave the bed, he's going to be in a wheelchair, he's paralyzed from their neck down, just commit him to a facility and leave him he's finished and his parents refused because he was in a phenomenal young black belt when he had the accident and he eventually did rehab and he came back to the dojo and he could barely walk. When he got his black belt seven years later, everyone we knew what an amazing achievement that was. But yeah, like someone walks past your dojo, they'll be like, you gave that guy a black belt, Mm -hmm. but you don't know their context. And that's not fair because for him to even remember a cutter with all the brain damage is massive yeah so yeah every you know opinions are like you know opinions are like battles. everyone has one yeah yeah.
1: so you, you customized your your curriculum and class to each student as well because you know i've got people with yes. staff and stuff and and kind of was learning on a job what works what doesn't work but you know in my dojo it yeah. might be a uh, five different combination of the same uh, adaptation of the same combination going on at the time you're doing that as well yeah
0: Yes, so we we try to we actually are getting um, a lot of kids who have been written off as ADHD. Mm -hmm. The schools are like we can't deal with them; just medicate them and make them manageable. And we don't believe in that. Mm -hmm. Um, We believe that being neurodivergent that you can that there's being neurotypical shouldn't be the the minimum or the or the barrier to entry for karate. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you are ADHD. If you have a learning disability, we have a student who's deaf in one ear. Karate should be for everyone. Mm-hmm. Where is it written in any of the books by the big martial artists? You read Funakoshi's My Way of Life. Nowhere in those books does it say, okay, to do karate, you must be a white male, neurotypical, strong, six foot tall. Where? It's not written anywhere.
1: Yeah, it's quite, so, it's quite funny because, uh, you know, white male, if you look at them, they're all yeah. Asian.
0: So
1: yeah, when I, when exactly. You know, it just uh, and actually, I wrote the just article.
0: become dominated.
1: Yeah, I wrote the article about Funakoshi because if you look on his mm. description of his condition when he starts, it's just a guesswork. Mm. But I can, oh, yes, I remember that anxiety. article. Anxiety, you know, mm. but absolutely, uh, you know, the stomach upset, being weak, don't yes. want to do it. It just fits. But, you know, it might, been, might not not. Yes. That's my guesswork. But, but no,
0: because- I, don't, oh. I don't think that you're projecting. Mm. Not at all. I think it's quite likely that it's just there was no term for it back then. Mm. You know, even now, like, we still have a lot of people, like, I get my own family telling me, "What is you're fine. You have no real problems. How can you be anxious? Yeah. What's wrong with you? And I'm like, I don't choose to feel this way. Why would I choose this? Why would I choose to feel like I'm terrified inside my own body? Mm. This is not a choice. This is not for funsies. This is not attention seeking. And maybe we need to replace the term attention seeking with support seeking. Yeah. You know, with students who are cutting, with students who are depressed, with students who are saying things to like sensei, I just wish I was dead. Mm. They're not looking for attention. They're looking for help. And sometimes sensei is the only person they feel they can talk to. Yeah. You know, it's that which gives light must endure burning. That's what it means to be a sensei. And right. if you cannot take on that responsibility, it's one of my favorite sayings. It's, it sums up exactly how I feel about being a sensei. It's a hard burden. You will have people telling you their darkest secrets, coming to you for help. Last night we were dealing with a student who's very ill with COVID, trying to get him to a hospital at three o'clock in the morning. You know, these are the things you deal with as a sensei, and the role models that, and the places we can, the the, the example we can set. That's why I will never go back to working in corporate. I worked in corporate for many years. I was a good little copywriting, good little uh, colleague. I could do that game very well. I could go back to advertising and earn way more money than I'm earning now. Mm-hmm. Lots more. I could quadruple my salary. That's not the point. You know, you're here because you know that karate can bring massive value to people's lives. And I'm here for the same reason. And if what we can do is make more girls feel welcome, more differently abled people feel welcome, minority groups, queer kids, we want them all to feel like there's a part and a place for them in the dojo. And that's why I so appreciate the work you do with the books you write and the articles you write. That's that's the difference. You know, anyone can be a tournament sensei, dish out gradings, be a McDojo, make money, sell t-shirts, sell six gradings a year and treat your students like customers that's easy anyone can do that a lot of instructors do um how
1: i have no uh knowledge of uh, systems in south africa i'm not very good Mm -hmm. and i'm not how to say it not that interested in in how the different countries doing stuff. i like to focus on my stuff here. Um, yes. How is the treatment of disabled people or less able or different able people in uh, South Africa? Because in UK it's changing, but uh, the COVID, mm-hmm. I was just reading, I think I shared the article yesterday that COVID mm-hmm. push, push, push us back about 10%- Very much so. Back because the people with mental health and disability have been left alone. Their, their yeah. appointment's been cancelled, nothing's happening mm. for them, three of my students have a massive breakdown through the lockdown, only now they just the first yeah. message now after nearly two years is, listen, I've been really bad, but I'll be back. Um, so how that, how the treatment of people of mental health and mm. abilities is in South Africa
0: So, unfortunately, we are very resource scarce. I think about how we have very few mental institutions. There's massive social stigma around talking about mental illness. Um, Culturally, Whether across all our cultures, actually. South Africans are just very, like, stoic. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's about good market plan, which is an Afrikaans, or like, a farmer makes a plan. Like, you just deal with it. Mm -hmm. There's no, like, softness of... Character, you know, we have a very, I think it's part of being like a, partly a pioneering country. Um, we have some of the same attitudes as the Americans that, you know, the the pioneers and the trekkers, the the and the Afrikaans walked from one end of the country to the other. So um we don't have a lot of resources. And like I know a couple of um lecturers who teach who you teach at the university and they're students of ours, and they've had students commit suicide because they were told there's just no resources. The councillors are slammed, the hospitals are slammed, um, there's no money. You know, by law, under our constitution, you actually have, by law, we're supposed to have access for free, especially if you're underprivileged. Underprivileged mm-hmm. kids have the right to attend a special needs school for free
1: yeah.
0: within their area, but there's not a lot of those schools. And then when there's funding crises, crises, you know the first thing always gets cut is education, yeah, yeah, yeah. education and health care. So, yeah, I think we've also taken a few steps backwards now because of COVID with the massive job losses. And we reckon we've lost 7 million jobs. All right. So it's, it's heavy. Um, and I wish we had more resources to make our dojos uh, more friendly to disabled people, like training. I would love to know or be able to access further education on how I can be a better and more inclusive instructor. No, we're very much learning on the fly mm-hmm. how we can, and like it's the same way. Um, one of the things I wish we could import from Australia is their mental health first aid course. Mm-hmm. They have a first aid course for it. You can get a qualification. Yeah, yeah, that I makes got... so much sense.
1: Yes, in UK as well. I just, found, I, I'm just um, joined the uh, college uh, for their course mm-hmm. and it's funded by government. So it's all fantastic. Great. So I send you some resources yeah. because I there's a section called UK Coaching, and they've got online. Yes,
0: UK Coaching. They're great. Yeah.
1: They've got lots of free resources um, for mm. mental health. There's as well free um, psychological first aid in UK. I'm gonna dig that up and, yeah. and find it because I've done it, and I Please. think not geographically locked. So I think everybody can yeah. do. It. But I'm not sure about that. But I'm gonna.
0: Actually, the one know. advantage links, yeah, drop yeah. it, and we'll drop it in the links for anyone else because this is one of the biggest issues. You know, um it's something I I'm working on actually. So in the Australia actually leads the way in a lot of this stuff mm-hmm. on a child protection policy document. There's no such thing in South African karate on child protection and safeguarding. I know the UK have been using some documents from the UK, but Mm -hmm. What to do if a child approaches you that says they've been sexually abused at home? What is your duty? What is your care of duty to that student? Or how do you deal with a student who is mentally ill? So Mm -hmm. I unfortunately had a student commit suicide she was 12 years old. And because of that, I'm very driven to make sure that we hear these kids and that we know what to do if we see something. You know, if you see something, say something. Mm -hmm. Um, But we have no formal training for this. You know, it should be something that should be taught when you're in high school, how to recognize your friend is not well. How do you approach an adult for help? You know, conscious of them be like, well, the adults will shout at us. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing in the dojo. Um, sometimes we we see these kids in a way their parents don't see them. Mm-hmm. We spend two only two hours a week, but they open up. Um, so often my husband has been asked to step in as a father figure I can't get through to them. Maybe you can say something. And they're like, they tell their kids, if you have a problem, tell Sensei. Maybe mm-hmm. If you don't want to talk to me, talk to Sensei. So I wish we had more resources to learn how to be better instructors. And our course to become an instructor for our particular provincial group is a three-year intensive course with level three first aid training. With, uh, you have to write a thesis. You must do a couple hundred hours teaching time. We are very rigorous. Mm-hmm. And I still wish I knew more.
1: Sure, but I think that's the that's the good mark of the instructor that you know it never ends. You find no. one information and the other avenue opens for you, or I didn't yes. realize that it avenue was there to learn. So I'm going yeah. there. So I always hate hated being in school since I was twenty, mm-hmm. and yeah. since I was twenty, I decided I never leave the school. So you know, I've got two little children running a business, I have no time. So what I do, I mm-hmm. join the college. So on nights, I'm going to be <laughs> studying now. And that's,
0: that's fantastic.
1: That's going all the time, you know. I, just, I call myself a qualification collector. I just <laughs> <go>. <laughs> another one, another one. My, my wife said, why do you need that? You've got so many. Well, but I like learning. It keeps me on the ball. No, it,
0: it absolutely keeps us young and keeps us, um, you know, what's, what's going on. There's so many things that are changing all the time. Like, I feel if I didn't teach teens, I would have no idea what's going on in the world because mm-hmm. they'll use a phrase or they'll be like, send me a TikTok on what's cool. So at least I feel like I'm not a stranger to them when they use phrases. I'm like, I have to go Google it on Urban Dictionary. Like, what does yeet mean? You know? they, and sometimes you feel like you're being aged out of your own generation <laughs> by the kids coming up from below us. But they're awesome. You know, I think the kids are all right. I think, look at the kids now and they're so much more sophisticated. When I was their age, I had no idea about queer identities and, and then much more chilled and relaxed with that. And I think it's so awesome. They have so much to teach us, you know? Um, I, I don't know. I love being sensitive. The only hard part is you—you you always sense when you post on social media, when you go home, when you're in the dojo, you can never mm. take it off if you take it seriously. So that sometimes is very hard. I, I have to think of it a lot for young girls. So I'm very, very careful to talk about or talk about my weight. It's a very hard to not talk about weight in front of girls because I grew up like that. We were all growing up in the, in the 90s and noughties where Thin and heroin chic and Baywatch and Pam Anderson and Playboy was so big that we were all very much conditioned 20 years ago because I'm 35. So in my teenage years, it was the height of that heroin chic look. Being thin was, and it's very hard to unlearn that. So I struggle when I'm in the dojo, and I'm like, oh, I feel so fat today. What a stupid thing to say, but you say stupid things because they are hard habits to unlearn. So I'm trying to also not have my female students think, oh, if Sensei worries about her weight. Maybe I should worry about my mm, weight. Yeah. Like I was so upset about how much weight I gained after having a baby. I gave birth. I had a human life grow inside me. Of course, you need extra way to do that healthily. Yeah. So, and you, know, you know, the worst enemies are the ones. No WhatsApp. Why are you being rude now? Um, <laughs> I can hear you. Go away. <laughs> um. Okay. Am I back today? Yeah. Yeah. Am I yeah. back?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're back.
0: Yay. <laughs> um. You know, they say the, the worst enemy is the one with outposts inside your own head, yeah. and that's the the demons we're all dealing with as instructors that we try not to pass on to the next generation.
1: Yes, that's very well said. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> I was. Uh, yeah, Liz,
0: I could talk for hours with you. What a pleasure!
1: Uh, yeah, just perfect unplanned <laughs> conversation. That's the ones that I yes. enjoy the most. I'm rubbish on planning and, and executing it. So it was. Uh, no,
0: planning is for uh, planning is for perfectionists. I also all our YouTube videos are winged. We never script. We don't plan anything. We're like, we're going to the dojo. I'm like, what are you going to do? And she's like, I don't know. Five minutes later, he's like, now we will do Kurunfa Bunkai. I'm like, okay. <laughs> all right. That's what we're filming today. So, you're, yeah, it's the spontaneity. I, I, I try to think of it as being spontaneous and not like poor time management.
1: Yeah. Can you um, share where we can find more information about uh, you, your style? Absolutely. Your YouTubes and all Thank those you. Where you want to grow.
0: Yeah. So our YouTube channel is Goju Ryu Karate Center. But if you put in Goju Ryu Karate Center, it'll pop up. It's a Kicking Man white and black logo. You can find my stuff on zoehinnis.com. And our dojo is grkc1978.com. But I will send all of our social links. And Sensei Liz, for my channel, where can everyone find you? Oh. I know you said no titles, but to me, you are Sensei. Because you are Thank you, teaching Sandra. me many things. Uh,
1: Best to find me on uh, Uh, Mm www.lesbubka.co.uk and everything with Lesbubka Karate Jutsu because we rebranded recently uh, and decided to use my name. Uh, Mm -hmm. That should should take me to every, every link possible.
0: No, no, I, your website's beautifully arranged, by the way. I actually need to upgrade us a bit.
1: Oh, I've done it all myself. No, I'm lying. My wife died. Yeah. Because I am computer illiterate. And I have to go say, honey, can you do this? <laughs> when do you need
0: it? She's exactly
1: the, the same. <laughs> <Yeah. She's>, uh,
0: <laughs> What's that my... phrase? Karate wife, hard life.
1: Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I don't complain. even know who came
0: up with it, but
1: I can't complain.
0: no. You married well, well done. Yeah. Engineer, super smart.
1: Yeah, way smarter than I am. So, at least we've got one person, <laughs> what she's doing at home. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. I hope Thank you, you have, so much. have a lovely
0: weekend. And, and you too. See you, soon. see you soon. Stay safe out there.